The topic I've I've chosen for um, for contemplation for sh- for sharing contemplations for tonight is um, the cheery topic that we usually try to avoid. Guess which one that is? Death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there was a little bit of a hint in the guided meditation, wasn't there? Yeah, that gave it away. That was the teaser. Yeah. So um, there is an the, in the Hindu epic Maharabhata legend, the wise man Yudhisthira was asked, um, "What is the most amazing thing in all of life?" And he answers that a man seeing others die all around him never thinks he will die. (laughs) So, death contemplation um, and death meditation is is highly valued and and very important in Buddhist teachings. Um, Though they're not taught as much as vipassana, mindfulness, concentration, shamatha, loving-kindness, metta. They're taught more. Um, That contemplation is very important and is taught a little less. So I like to focus some light on it tonight, do it justice. The Buddha said, of all the footprints, that uh, that of the elephant is supreme. You can think of supreme as the best or as it fits, the, the, elef- the elephant's footprint fits all the other footprints. It's so large. Similarly, of all mindfulness meditations, that on death is supreme. So he highly, highly espoused and recommended and valued death contemplation. And it is in his teachings. Um, it's actually part of the four foundations of mindfulness sutta. Um, it's right there, contemplation of the of death as body decaying, the corpse decaying in various stages and contemplating that, etc. It's um, it's right there. So it's one of the basic teachings in one of the suttas that that we refer to quite a bit. So it's also contemplation of death really is a contemplation of impermanence. And that I'm sure you've heard of before if, if you've gone to, to different talks on Buddhism. Um, contemplating impermanence, things, everything arising and passing away um, is also a, a, a um, main contemplation in Buddhism. And you can think of contemplation of death as our impermanence, the impermanence of this body impermanence of this consciousness, impermanence of this being as it manifests in this life right now. So it's said that the ego cannot contemplate its own destruction. It's really, really hard for the ego to really, really get. I mean, we sort of know we're going to die. Okay, how many people know they're going to die? Show of hands. Okay, now a show of hands of how many people really know they're going to die? Really, I mean deeply. Yeah, deeply, really that, okay. <sighs> it's, it's a topic we, um, we like to avoid. Um, also, it's, it's partly cultural, it's partly personal. So culturally, I think death, in in this culture is relegated, is pushed aside. We don't see it. It's made clean. Um, it, it, we don't want to think about it. There are funeral homes where, for example, and the the service is held and it's not very personal. You know, it's, it's we have a home for it. In some other cultures, the service is held at the home. There is it's 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 an intimate part of the culture. Death is. Here it's very clean. The person is made perhaps pretty in a casket. It's you know it's not ugly. It's not smelly. It's not. I mean, it's not death. It's not decay. It's oh, they're they're put in their best clothes. So, so it's something. So, 
really coming in terms with with um, our own our own demise that we're not going to be here um, in a hundred years from now none of the none of us in this room are going to be on this earth look around for a moment in a hundred years from now not a single person in this room will be alive nobody listening online will be alive either let's cover that let's take that in for a moment it's the reality of our lives we we no, the only thing that is certain about our life is that we are going to die. We don't know when, but we know we're going to die. We're not going to be here. This, this, is, this life is a party on death row. <laughs> I think Anne Klein said that, a Buddhist teacher. Uh, so, so we want to appreciate the party and we want to appreciate that we, it, we are on the death row. So, in a moment I'll talk about why it's important, why it's such an important practice to contemplate death. Uh, before that, I'll, I'll offer a couple of poetic um, offerings. One is from the Dhammapada, which is, um, which is beautiful. It's, 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 it's uh, lots, many verses. The Buddha says, Death sweeps away the person obsessed with gathering flowers as a great flood sweeps away a sleeping village. I love the imagery of that. La-di-da, la-di-da, gathering flowers, checking my email, you know, la-la. a sleeping village being swept away by a flood. So that, that image of, of, wow, we're asleep. Are we asleep? Are we asleep? Are we just gathering flowers in this, in this life, in this party? Another poetic offering from Poet Gray when he was contemplating a burial ground in a country churchyard. The boast of heraldry, the pomp of power, all that beauty, all that wealth ever gave, await alike the inevitable hour, the path of glory leads to the grave. Carlos Castaneda talks about death as being our only wise advisor a wise advisor that we can turn to as if the advisor on death on our shoulders, we can always turn to and ask when, when thinking everything is going wrong and we're about to be annihilated. Turn to death and ask if that is so. Your death will tell you that you're wrong. About 200,000 people die on average every day. 70 million people every year. And I know our lives, for every one of us, has been touched by death, by t- touched by death of other people. And now let's contemplate that of our own. So, so what, why contemplate death? I mean, it seems like, oh, it's such a morbid topic. Why, why do we want to contemplate death? What, what's important about it? Why has the Buddha said it's supreme? Contemplation of death is supreme. So one of the reasons is to overcome fear of death. Because when we live in fear of death, we're not fully living. When we're always thinking, oh, I'm going to die, oh, I don't want to think about it, let's, let's push it under the carpet. We're not really inhabiting our life. We're not living fully without fear. There's always this niggling fear. Maybe we even do things in our lives because we are afraid we're going to die. We do things out of fear of death. Another reason why contemplation of death is is very important, is it actually, it brings us alive. 
it really, really brings to focus what is important, helps us get aligned with our highest values when we realize, you know, we can't just collect flowers all day. Time is limited. Time is very limited. We're on this earth as this manifestation of this being for a very limited time. What do we want to do with this precious life? What do we want to do? And if we want to do that thing, we better do it now before it's too late. We better align our lives with our highest aspirations. So contemplating death really brings that alive, really helps us do that, not from a head place, but from a gut place, really energizes us in a, in a very active, energetic way to do the things that we need to do and we may not have the courage to do them but really aligns us with our highest intentions and values in life. It's also said that Maranasati, by the way, death contemplation in Buddhism is called Maranasati. Sati, mindfulness. Marana, death. Mara is the lord of death. It's also said that Maranasati is conducive to right effort. Of course, it brings energy. Brings, brings energy and spiritual urgency, some vega, to your life. I think another important reason why death contemplation is so crucial is it helps us not be afraid of death during death. So we can have a peaceful death. We can have... We won't die in fear. We can be at peace instead of just have a sense of ease. Really um, make the moment of our death practice. So in a way, I think death contemplation helps us live more fully and be more alive, be more kind, be more mindful, be more, more whatever we want to inhabit in this world. Also, mindfulness and other practices, metta, loving-kindness, etc., concentration, all of these practices help us have a good death so that we can be present for it instead of scared out of our skin when it happens. Because we don't know when or how it's going to happen. We kind of imagine it. I usually kind of imagine it, oh, it's at the end of my life sometime when I'm really old and it's in a comfortable room and I'm lying on a bed and it's all okay. It may not be. I might drive out of here on the highway on 101 and that might be the moment. You never know when it's going to happen. You don't plan for it. We, we never plan for it. We have no idea. Years ago, I had a bike accident. I didn't plan for the bike accident, like people don't. So I was riding my bike in the city of Berkeley. It was rainy and it was pretty slippery. Well, you know that, by the way, the punchline of the story is I didn't die, obviously. I'm here. <laughs> so it's not about my moment of death. But, but obviously that day I was not planning on having an accident. So I'm biking and biking and... And it's wet, the pavement is wet, and I'm about to make a left turn. And the street has a pothole, my bike has a, a thin tire, hits the pothole, bursts, I lose balance. And as I'm going down in the middle of the intersection, as I'm turning left, everything slows down. Like, oh, this is how it happens. I don't know if you've had that moment in your life. It just, everything slows down. As I was going down, down, down on my back, watching everything happen in slow motion, so many thoughts and images going through my head, wondering, oh, is there going to be oncoming traffic right now as I'm going down? Am I going to survive this? Or what's, it just is like, it's, there's letting go, just completely silent observing with curiosity what's going to happen in the next moment there was no fear there was just wonder and curiosity wow this is how it happens i survived obviously and 
it would have been really hard to to appreciate that moment if I was scared out of my mind. There was this sense of ease and peace and curiosity. Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen next. May I have that kind of a uh, balance and equanimity when the moment of death comes. May we all have that kind of balance and equanimity when our death comes which is why we practice, we practice, and we practice to be present, to be present with whatever comes up in our minds, whatever comes up in our bodies, whatever comes up in our lives, so that we can be at peace and accepting whatever happens in that moment, in that amazing moment of mystery that none of us knows what may arise to be present for that mystery fully, completely, alive, not afraid. I'd also like to share with you some of the reasons I've practiced death contemplation. I've actually practiced it a lot. It's, It's a practice that is very dear to me, which is why I've chosen to talk about it tonight. Um, Some time ago, I um, took a leave of absence from from the world and spent a couple of years contemplating, meditating, um, and and during that time, it it was kind of... mm, middle of my practice, early middle of my practice, and there were things that hadn't quite gelled. So so in my own practice, um, it was, my practice was veering into a dark space of nihilism. Anatta hadn't quite come into view exactly, so there was this sense of emptiness. I, I, I wasn't quite seeing emptiness as, as, what it is, which is a, a, a bright and, and liberating emptiness. I was seeing it more as a nihilistic, in a nihilistic way, and, and it was veering into depression for me. So I, sat a re- I was sitting at a retreat at the time, and I asked one of the teachers on the retreat, I was saying, this is what was happening for me. And, uh, and he laughed and said, oh, I've, I've been through that before. I've been through that phase of my practice. And... He told me, okay, the way to, to work through that is do death contemplation. Okay, you ask, huh? Okay, you're in a dark space. The teacher tells you to do death contemplation. How is that going to help? Okay, that was my reaction. But the idea was that death contemplation really gives you the sense of urgency that life is short and really whips you into shape. And then you get to practice as if your hair is on fire. And that's exactly the effect that it had for me. So even though it might seem intellectually counterintuitive in a visceral way, in a practice way, it's the right thing. It was the right um, antidote for a dark place of, oh, nothing matters, what what am I doing? Like, oh, I'm going to die. Life is limited. Whoa, whoa. Time is short. Okay. It brought a lot of energy into practice, into, into, um, into not kind of wasting away into into that, that depressed energy. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it was really, really powerful. I spent a lot of time imagining my death and my deathbed and what if I had a year to live, what if I had six months, six weeks, one week, one day, an hour. There's so many different ways to do this practice. There are lots of wonderful ways to do this practice. One way that the Buddha teaches and espouses is the practice that we sort of dipped into a little bit at the end of our set together, which is As you breathe in, contemplate, this is my last breath. As you breathe out, contemplate that this is my last out-breath. This is my last in-breath, this is my last out-breath. Last in-breath, last out-breath. 
that that's a very powerful practice when you do it for a long time very powerful how many people tried it on when i suggested it a show of hands great lots of people tried it actually i would love to hear from people who tried it what came up for you if anything if you'd like to share we have a microphone so and we have some wonderful volunteers thank you helga There was a hand over there, yeah. Great, thank you. So what came up for me was a thought. A thought came in that said, this really isn't my last breath, it's okay. (laughs) And that just continued repeating itself, so it was very difficult, very challenging to get into. Actually... Uh, adopting the perspective of this is my last breath. It just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, That is the ego's inability to contemplate its own demise. That is very common. So it takes a long time to get through to that. Um, I can share from my own practice, that happened for a long time. Like, "Eh, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It went for a long time. Um, and, and at first I thought, oh, I know I'm going to die. I don't need to contemplate this. Of course I'm going to die. Pfft, yeah. No. It, it really had to go through that phase of, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah, this is my last breath. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Really working at it with, with, with breath after breath, day after day after day. And when it really came in, for me, there was a sense of horror. Like there never was. Oh! <gasps> I'm really going to die. It was a sense of fear that I couldn't shake for a while. And that was a phase that I had to go through. And then when I made peace with that, then there was, okay. Then then I felt that I had made peace with my death. And again, it's also, if, if I do the practice again today intensely, probably there will be levels, more, more and more levels to still work through. There are many levels to work through. Yeah, great. Thanks for bringing that up. Thank you. More hands. First row also, and then we'll go back. I recently lost um, two elderly um, aunts and uncles, you know, within the last six months. And one, I just had a sudden urge to go visit and got Tim and his 90-year-old brother and sister together the week before he died, we didn't even know he was on a hospice care and stuff, but he was pretty, um, you know, kind of dried out and stiff like this in bed and not expressive, but I could talk to him and get a little bit of response. Um, and my mother just started poking him and uh, joking with him, and it seemed so inappropriate. And then suddenly there was this big smile on his face that just brought him into the room. It was really amazing. Um, So when I was doing this meditation, I was thinking, oh, you know, I hadn't thought about the last breath at all. You know, that he had a last breath, you know, and I'll have a last breath, you know, just really amazing. Um, And thinking... um, um, what it did for me immediately is, you know, like all this stuff I'm thinking about, how yeah. inconsequential, yeah. <laughs> totally. <Yeah. laughs> and yeah. just trying to imagine a last breath. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. There's one hand back there and then back there. I go for it. I jump for it. Where was that hand? Over there. I think one of the most common things that we sometimes reflect on in that last moment is, you know, was I like a good person? So I kind of had that going on in my head, mm. like, hmm, like, how is my karma going to like deal out for me in the afterlife? Mm. And at first I, I was like, OK, like I haven't been that bad to people. I have good intentions. But then I thought about how bad I've been to myself in terms of mm. self-criticism and self-hate. And it's never mm. been good enough. So I had a moment of panic. I thought, OK, well, if if. I count as a, like a being that I should be loving. I haven't been very good, and my karma is probably really bad. Um, so that went through my head, and 
I guess that woke me up in terms of, of course, I'm going to continue loving others and all sentient creatures, but I got to count myself because I might, it's just, I didn't even think about it in terms of how it might bear in, in the afterlife or. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing how this contemplation brought up a sense of kindness, necess- necessity of kindness and compassion to this very being right here. Beautiful. Thank you. And back there. You know, I used to come to Spirit Rock every Monday night. Then I had children, so I don't get to come so often. So I come tonight after not being here for a while, sit down. Oh, I love being here and meditate. And then this topic comes up, and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you kidding me? It's not like I'm here every week. you got to talk about this? And what really came up with me is um, a lot of resistance to it and that feeling of I'm not really going to... There's a part of me that thinks I'm really not going to die, and when I die, I'm not going to know that. So... Um, there was a lot of res- resistance, and then what really came through is, if I can't handle thinking about it and I'm not dying, it's not my last breath, clearly I'm nowhere near enlightened. I've got a lot of problems. This is like, I don't even want to think about it, let alone to be with it. So, yeah, I feel kind of frustrated that we're talking about this tonight, which has nothing to do with you, and I know it's all important, but it's like, wait a second, this is my cameo appearance being here, and we're going to talk about this? So that's as far as I got with it. Great. Thank you for sharing that, and thanks for sharing the resistance that comes up. The resistance comes up to that. Of course it does. We're busy living. Why do we want to think about not living? Why is that important? Is it important at all? So, so thank you for sharing that, the resistance, and hold the resistance. Yeah, I'm resistant to death, and see what's, how that, uh, what's that, what's under that for you, how that can be an opening to being with death, how resistance to being with it can be an opening. Hold that, and see, it's like an Aikido move. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my experience ended up being more about life, too, than death. And it was that um, after a couple breaths, I just started thinking, wow, it's actually not just the breath. It's everything in life yeah. eventually is going to be the last one. Yeah. And, you know, like saying hello to your mom or going on your favorite hike, it's sometime it's going to be the last time. and yeah. And I'm not going to know when that is. So it was, I was feeling more alive and life, not so much death, but kind of in this new perspective of just total gratitude. And yeah. yeah. Lovely. Thank you. It's, it's so paradoxical. Contemplating death brings out kindness, compassion, gratitude, aliveness, all of these. Um, It's really paradoxical. Just as I mentioned for me, when I was in a dark phase, contemplation of death really brought me alive and brought me out of that state. It's, it is paradoxical. So coming back to that resistance to, oh, death, really, we're contemplating death to live more fully, really. So thank you for that. So it was a hand next to you, and then we come to the front. Um, so I've, a good portion of my life has been spent uh clinically depressed um and a good portion of that uh death was seen much more so as a goal than a finishing than a reluctant finishing line um so there's a degree to which when when it was for me it was there are some things that i'd like to do still but if i died i'll be dead that sucks but that's that's life um and it's unfortunate because i don't get that sense of urgency mm-hmm. in terms of when you think about death thinking oh my god it's actually going to happen i need to do all these things um i i need to relearn that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that into the room also. And um, there is the there is the wish and attachment to being. There is the wish to attachment to non-being. And that's the wish to attachment to death and non-existence. And, and um, it's as we try to, to learn and cultivate a, a wise relationship to wanting to be, we also want to, to um, develop a wise relationship to not wanting to be, which is what you're bringing up. So you see it's the other side of the coin. So learning that, and, and many of us often don't think about the other one, but it's just as important as learning how not to be attached to being. You see what I mean? So it's just a learning. It's, just, it's a different learning, but it's just a learning. It's the other, the other side of the coin of, of this lesson that we need to learn. Yeah, thank you. And right in front here. I guess what came up for me is is a practice that I like to do is where um, realizing that every molecule of oxygen that I take in Mm. has been someone else's last breath and exhale, but also someone else's first breath. And... uh, that breath might have been breathed by the Buddha or it might have been breathed by someone very negative. But just to take that in and, yeah, it was was a more deepening of that contemplation. I appreciate how that also brings in a sense of interdependence, not across just space but time of all these beings and humans and animals and trees and yeah 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 thank you yeah one more comment and then we'll move on thank you Nikki. um i can't help but get the feeling that when i'm thinking about death and um buddhism and it seems like it's spoken a lot um, in in classes that I've been to, and I feel like it's just a really, and I don't want to simplify it, but I feel like it's an incredible way to be present. Um, that's how I kind of when I think about it, and then I start to think about things that I need to do or how I could be different and all that. I just get this immediate presence, you know, and it's almost like a paradox or ironic or however you want to look at it because you're kind of looking into the future and Buddhism is all about the present. And so that's all going on in my mind. And so it's, it's maybe some, to some degree, the future does have some, substance in Buddhism as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes we... we... In Buddhism, we talk so much about the present moment, the present moment that all of a sudden is put on a pedestal and the past and the future do not matter and it's all about the present moment, this God, present moment. Are you not in the present moment? So so, um, past and future are important also Um, it is true that we live in the present moment and all of our experience happens in the present moment however there are many actions that we have done in the past so learning from from our past and being inspired to act to, to live wisely in the future so past and present are part of our practice. It's not just the present moment. Um, and what you're bringing in is that this contemplation about death, which is the next moment or this moment, or actually we can think about it as the next moment, it, it enlivens this present moment in a very visceral way. Yeah, that is very true in practice. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> last one. Really, really last one. And then I like to move on because I like to get, get oh. yeah. Last one. With such an energetic hand. <laughs> Cannot be ignored. Yes, thank you. I have more a question mm-hmm. than an experience. Uh-huh. We are learning so much in Dharma about impermanence. Mm-hmm. How does that fit into the impermanent world? Is it permanent? Is, is Can it, you talk about that? It, so, sorry, the question is, how does impermanence fit into... No, how death fits into the impermanence. How, how death fits into... Yes. Oh, death, oh, death is impermanence. Oh. I mean, is death is our impermanence. As I mentioned earlier in the talk, it, there's a lot of contemplation of impermanence of phenomena, imperm- impermanence of everything that arises and passes away, both in large timescale and in momentary timescale in Buddhism. And death is essentially contemplating impermanence, impermanence of this configuration of, of mind and matter. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, so I'd like to move on now. I'd actually like to um, lead you through a contemplation. And uh, thank you, Haga. Lead you through a contemplation now. And um, let's see. So... What we'll do is, let's see if we'll have time for it. Um, mindfulness, mindfulness of death is also a central practice in Tibetan Buddhism. So the, the next teaching I'm going to offer is actually from Tibetan, contemplations from Tibetan Buddhism and comes from the 11th century Buddhist scholar Atisha. And I learned this and also the suggestions that I will offer the contemplations afterwards from Eugene Cash, who is a friend and a wonderful teacher, and he offered a day-long on mindfulness of death about a month ago. He offers that every year. I highly recommend it if this topic speaks to you. So so with that, I invite you to um, get into your meditation posture. And as you sit in meditation, settling into your body, settling into your breath, we'll go through nine contemplations together. The first one is that death is inevitable. It will happen. I will die. My death, my impermanence is inevitable. Let that resonate. The second contemplation. My lifespan is decreasing continuously. In this moment, I'm closest to leaving this world than I've ever been. Every day I have less time left. My lifespan is decreasing continuously. The third contemplation, my death will come, 
whether or not I'm prepared for it. Whether or not I'm ready. I will die. It will not wait for me. Death will not wait for my readiness. Fourth contemplation, my life expectancy is uncertain. I may think I'm going to live till 80, 90, whatever, but my life expectancy is uncertain. The fifth contemplation. There are many causes of death. May not just be old age, could be illness, accident. So many ways. The sixth contemplation. My human body is fragile and vulnerable. Seventh contemplation. At the time of death, my material possessions are of no use to me. Everything that I have and I collect, I own, I will leave behind. The eighth contemplation the time of my death, my loved ones cannot help me. The ninth contemplation at the time of my death, my body cannot help me. This body too is impermanent. (coughs) Now I invite you to say out loud the name of people whom you know who have died and their age and their cause of death. Just say it out loud, fill the room. It's a strong practice to speak up.
say out loud how much time you think you have, at what age you think you will die. And now say out loud how much time or effort per day or per week, per month in your life you spend on cultivating your heart and mind to to be aligned with your intentions. How much time do you spend practicing? So, you can open your eyes now. Now, I invite you to get into groups of one, groups of two or three. Um, You don't have to, but it's really, really precious practice to talk about this and be witnessed and hear about other people, what came up for them. Just informally turn around and find another person or another two people and basically talk about what this was like for you as you went through this contemplation. Okay, who would have thought death was so much fun to talk about? So we have very limited time and I would like to invite um, some reflections and observations, especially from people who haven't spoken yet. So Helga, would you be so kind as to... Thank you. Okay, don't be shy. This side of the room, yes. Far right. Thank you for uh, for this uh, evening. It's totally unexpected, and uh, I love it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like I'm going through a midlife crisis right now. So this is I think about this all the time. The difference is I think I'm the only one thinking about this, you know. But I guess it's part of the human condition. Um, one of the things I was just sharing with my sharing partner here was just. Well, there's two things. One was when I was with my father and when he died, the incredible amount of emotion that came up in me. It was as if, as if this valve had been lifted and all this you know, emotion and feelings that had locked in my heart let go. And it felt like this moment of tr- incredible truth. It was like the first moment of like that in my life. And so when I contemplated taking my final breath, I was like, well... Mostly just intellectual stuff, saying, yeah, that's not, you know, but, but, but also it's like, no, I can't go there right now. You don't want me falling apart right here, right now, you know, so it's, it's a very emotional thing for me. And it's a very grounding, truthful thing, mm-hmm. very powerful. Um, the other thing is just my, and maybe this is just my mind. I don't think so, though. I mean, I truly believe in my, in my entire being that we don't just die, that our souls go on, that our souls are immortal. And I think the Buddha probably talked about that. I don't know, but um, you know. So, <laughs> I, so so anyway, I think I don't I don't think about it as I am dying. I think about it as my body's dying. It's like I'm changing clothes at the end of the day, and um, and I'm gonna move on. You know. So it's maybe it's denial. I don't know, but I don't think so. You know. So it changes the perception. It changes the conversation for me. And um, that's that's it. Thanks. Thank you for sharing that. So, given that we have so little time, and that's a topic for a whole other talk, what you brought up, um, I want to say regarding the first thing you brought up that you didn't want to go to the, this 
really tender and precious place here in Fall Apart. I hope you do make some space for yourself at some point in your life to go there, to that tenderness of that emotionality, of that truthfulness of that last moment, because it sounds like it's really powerful for you. Um, and then in one minute, teaching Buddha's teachings on... Um, <laughs> Uh, how can I summarize this? Um, so, so it, death, contemplating death really ties in with contemplating anatta, which is not self. And that's what actually brings the element of peace and ease. And what, and for me, as I was saying when I was um, pr- practicing with it also, um, and that there was this sense of horror, I'm going to die. Then there was this sense of I, who's this I, this, this person. Then if, if this is a process, and this process will come to an end, lots of processes come to an end. Ah, there is no self to die anyway. It doesn't exist for it to die. It's a process that has come together, agglomeration of things, and it is in this life, it, it has effects and influences life, it affects others in many forms, and then it goes away. So in that way, there is no need for this denial, for this horror of, of denying that you're going to die because it's so hard to imagine this solid thing. It's not solid anyway. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that takes the fear away. If there is nothing to go in the first place, then there's no denial, there's no wishful thinking that, oh, I'm going to continue, because there's no I to continue. It's just, it's, it's the process that has come together. And also relates to the teachings on karma, even though this body does not continue, and this consciousness in this form does not continue but there's karmic potentiality that it's like a billiard ball comes, hits another and another. If one chooses to believe in rebirth, another life will continue from this karmic potentiality, not with these memories, not with... Anyway, that's another talk. Maybe next time. <laughs> so, so thank you so much for your practice tonight. And may our collective practice and contemplation be a cause and condition for the liberation of all beings, including ourselves. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.